You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Big, big week for Tennessee football time. Third Saturday in October time. Actually feels like a third Saturday in October time. Two will enter unbeaten, one will leave time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a a pleasant, I would say, pleasant Thursday afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. God's own Knoxville, Tennessee coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio about 1.9 miles away from Neyland Stadium where in two days uh, the University of Tennessee, the sixth-ranked Vols, will host third-ranked Alabama in the biggest game at Neyland Stadium in quite a while, quite a while, perhaps even like 98 Arkansas, perhaps. It's been a long time since there's been a game quite this large, and there is a lot to talk about with it here on this lovely 69-degree nice afternoon in Knoxville. Let's go across town to that uh, undisclosed location, which may or may not be across town because it's undisclosed To get to Patrick Brown, let's go down to Ben McKee's house. Fellas, how are we doing this afternoon? I'm good, Wes. How are you? A little tired, hanging in there. Uh, Waiting on the baby to sleep a little better. His past two weeks have not covered himself in glory uh, sleeping. So uh, between that and the 8 million uh, video and podcast things that everybody wants during Tennessee Bama Week, it's been a long week, but hey, this is what we signed up for, right? This is uh, these are one of those weeks that we haven't been able to to cover in a long time. I don't, I mean, I can't think of a bigger regular season game, uh, really, even since I've been on the beat because I didn't start until what two thousand. So this might be the biggest one. You started in two thousand. Yeah, I was uh, seventeen years old, a freshman in college. Ben was like six. I was a seventeen. I was five. <laughs> he was five. My I, bad. I was a seventeen-year-old freshman in college in two thousand, covering this. So yes. Gosh, you're old. Pretty old. Pretty old. Do, do we count the the student journalist years to to the to the list? That's fair. I don't know whether you do or not. I mean, we were. I was there. I was asked I, questions. I, think, I wrote stories. I don't know. If I you, I, I think it counts. Um, I, I think it definitely counts. I, I know. Uh, as a student journalist myself, I, I was at I I didn't necessarily do a ton of football when I was a student, but uh, I I was covering basketball on a day to day basis and, and traveling to go cover the the basketball games and SEC basketball tournament in St. Louis. So I I, I consider the student journalist years uh, as years you've been covering the team. That, that's a long time, Wes. That is a long time. This is a long time. I am uh, 40 years old, and I feel like about 65. 44. But that, no, I'm actually 40 years old, September 3rd, Joan Jennings says 44, and who are we to doubt the dog? That's true. If it came down to a physical confrontation on who was right about that, <laughs> I would probably lose that. But the bottom line is, the, the point of that whole conversation is, one, that I'm old, but two, 
that's how long it's been since there's been a game that felt this big at Neyland Stadium. I mean, college game days come a few times. Tennessee's been ranked a few times and hosted some ranked opponents while it was ranked a couple times. There have been some big games. Nothing like number three versus number six, both undefeated. This is the first third Saturday in October in a long time that at least going into it feels like the way it used to feel every year. Like when I was a kid, this was what Tennessee-Alabama was every single year. This was, It was some kind of version of this. Maybe not three versus six, but a big deal with SEC title implications, with perhaps even national title implications. There is a ton on the line here. Doesn't mean the loser of this game is done. Far from it. I mean, you can get in to the playoff. You can still compete for championships. They've both got big games to still go play. But in terms of a a game this big, guys, I can't think of one since I've covered the beat that feels bigger. Even the the time where Tennessee and Bama were both in the top ten, like that Bama team was a lot better than Tennessee, I think. You know, this year, who knows? Well, this is – this is the first time since 1998 that Tennessee's gone into this game unbeaten, to put that into context. And I'm going to jump uh, let me do about nine years in the future when I was sitting about three rows from the top corner of Bryant-Denny Stadium. It looked much different then than it does now. Um, and, and Tennessee was favored to win. Alabama had some guys suspended. There was like a little textbook thing that they had, scandal. I don't know, Wes, you probably remember this. And yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it was Nick Saban's first year, and Alabama came out and, and beat Tennessee bad. I think it was like 41-17. Yep. Uh, I think Tennessee forgot it had Montario Hardesty on its roster. Uh, there was a play where uh, the legend Kenny O'Neill ran onto the field, and I go, hey, they're going to run a reverse, and then they ran a reverse. They fumbled the reverse, but it was an incomplete pass because they ran it so wrong that it was almost like a shovel pass. Perfect. Not an actual fumble. Um, and, and, and yeah, and, and that was, I was thinking about this the other day. That was like the last time I think Tennessee went into the Alabama game and you're like, okay, they legitimately can win this game for me at least. Uh, I know they came close in 2015, had, had a lead in the fourth quarter. There was that 2016 game where they were both in the top 10, but that Tennessee team had, had was beat up coming out of that Texas A&M game. And, and that loss, I think sucked a lot of the air out of that start of that season. So um, this is the first time where you're like, you know, Tennessee really has a legitimate chance to win this game, even if Bryce Young plays. So um, it, it's been hard for me to sort of wrap my head around that fact all week. And, and, and yeah, so it's it's been a weird time around here, at least for me. Yeah, it is certainly weird. And it's really weird for me because Wes is obviously much older than I am. True. Uh, Patrick is, is is older, but not not too much older than than I but in in my lifetime obviously like when I was a young kid uh, Tennessee Alabama was more competitive than it has been the the last 15 years or so but as a kid you you just kind of have an awareness of Tennessee football when you grow up in a family of Tennessee football fans you are aware of that is the team that you're supposed to root for and, and that's the team that the grandparents root for and and your dad went to school there so you're aware of kind of Okay, Tennessee, Alabama is important, but it's not till you get, I would say, until middle school, high school that that you truly start following. And when I got to that age, that that was Lane Kiffin debacle <laughs> down in Tuscaloosa with, with Big Terrence Cody taking his helmet off before the play's over. Uh, that that's the the Tennessee, Alabama rivalry that I know is of Nick Saban 
being there and it just totally being one-sided. So, so this weekend, although I understand the history, is a absolute foreign concept to me because uh, since I started going to high school in, in Alabama back in 2011, 2012, me and my buddies would, would go down every year. And then obviously that transitioned to me being a student at Tennessee and, and then now in, in this line of work and, and covering the games. I've been to these Tennessee-Alabama games. 2013 was my first one <laughs> when uh, Butch Jones had, had Josh Dobbs thrown in there uh, in the second half, I guess it was, or or, or he's – I can't remember how that happened, but Dobbs, that was his yeah. real first action Yeah, at he, Tennessee. He, he came in late, yeah. Yeah, um, and they he just started the second half. He started the second half, didn't he? Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, Riley Ferguson had like a, a leg injury, and I think Worley got really hurt. Uh, that that game on a hit or something like that. But my point is that Tennessee got absolutely beat down in 2013, Butch's first year. And like you said, Patrick, out, outside of the, the 15 game, uh, and, and honestly last year, uh, I think Tennessee lost by like 28 last year. That, that, that score was worse than how the game actually played out. Tennessee was a player two away. Uh, from from making that a really competitive football game down the stretch last year. And, and they were only down a touchdown going into the fourth quarter last year in Tuscaloosa. So 2015 and, and really last year are, are the only two games that, it, that have been somewhat competitive or, or come down to the fourth quarter. So uh, th- this game this weekend, Wes, just kind of is, is a foreign concept to me. I, I, I am not used to Tennessee uh, having a legitimate chance to beat Alabama. And honestly – We've never really seen these two teams this good at the same time. It's been a it's been a series of streaks, kind of like a basketball game, where where one team goes on a run for for X amount of years, and then the other team goes on a run uh, another X amount of years. They've never really been great at the same time very often. There's a couple of outliers, but typically it's been. Tennessee taking advantage of Alabama sucking or Alabama taking advantage of Tennessee sucking. So this weekend should be really cool uh, as far as that is concerned. Yeah, because I, I, in dealing with our, our good friend Charlie Potter from Bama Online, and we're going to have a, the Better Noah Foes thing is going to come out Thursday with the interview uh, with him. Uh, and, and then also dealing with – we're going to have a pregame podcast with Travis Ryer from BOL. they got a really good staff down there, good guys. And – Talking with, with with Charlie, he he basically made no bones about it. He said the Alabama players know how important the Tennessee rivalry is, but only because they're told. Like when they get there, they have to be told. By the way, this is historically one of the most meaningful games in all of college football. The winner gets a victory cigar. It means a whole lot to the fans. I know you've been beating this team by a hundred points more often than not recently, but by the way, uh, this is a big deal. So I think. This year is the first time that Bama's going to look at the film and go, hmm, okay. So I think it's a little bit different now. We'll see. Um, you know, the pregame is one thing. The actual game is something else. But I think what makes it interesting is not just that Tennessee is perhaps better than a lot of people thought. It's that Alabama hasn't quite put things together yet. Because what Alabama's played six games, three of them, Bama got pushed really hard. Two of them, Bama was fortunate to win. Got 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 a couple breaks late, made some plays, and won those games. So Saban's had those teams where they have one or two hiccups during a year. But this team, usually after those hiccups, whether they win or lose them, they learn. 
this team has been through it a couple times now, and maybe Bryce Thompson makes it. Obviously, Bryce Young makes it a little bit, um, you know, different last week. So that that's one thing. But this team has been pushed a couple times, and it still hasn't really turned the switch on yet. And guys, we're at the midway point of the season. Well, I, I think that setup is. Uh, I see. I think this game could go two different ways from an Alabama standpoint. One is that they come out and, and they see some people are picking Tennessee and, you know, it doesn't take much for them to, to get some motivation. Uh, and, and they come out and remind everyone that, Hey, we're Alabama. We've been the best program in college football for 15 years. Um, or this is one of those games where some of those same things that have almost gotten them beat at Texas and against Texas A&M penalties, turnovers, um, struggles on offense, because uh, those are both low-scoring games. Obviously, Bryce Young played in one and not the other. But uh, this this could be sort of that game where if those things keep happening, they'll they'll get beat because Tennessee's better than Texas and Texas A&M. So um, that that seems to me like that's two scenarios that I could see happening just from an, from an Alabama standpoint. I like this setup for Tennessee, though. I, I think you know this is another big game. You've already played three of them this year, so it's not really uh, like you have to. You know, you just got to keep doing what you've been doing from 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 the team standpoint, uh, in terms of, of preparing and, and handling all of the hype and the noise and all that. Um, and you know, the pressure to me is still on Alabama in this game because it's Alabama. There's always pressure on them. They're like never supposed to lose. They always have the best roster. They always have better players. Uh, so, for for me, this is a free shot for Tennessee. Go out there, play your best, see what happens. Because um, even if you lose this game, all of your your big goals, and, and I think we all would admit that Tennessee's big goals are uh, at this stage uh, a lot bigger than maybe probably a lot of us thought they would be at this point. I mean, East, the SEC. I mean, they're in, they're getting some playoff talk this week. All those things are 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 going to still be out there even if Tennessee loses this game because uh, if they handle their business and, and maybe get to that Georgia game uh, in early November, that game could be you know decisive in terms of the division. So. Um, I like the setup of Tennessee, but I, I do think Alabama, with the way they've played, you know, in some ways they're fortunate to be six and zero and not four and two, uh, and now they're playing. I think the best team that that they've seen this season, and um, it's going to be a, an environment that, that that Alabama's struggling. You know, they've had some issues on the road the past couple of seasons. Yep. Uh, lost at A and M last season, struggled at Auburn at the end of last season. I'm trying to remember. Um, you know, Arkansas was a, was a game that got out to a big lead and, and had to respond there. Um, that was one of those moments where they reminded everyone, okay, we're Alabama, you know, for a reason. Um, and then Texas, obviously, they were fortunate to win that game. So combine some of these factors, and, and that's why, you know, Tennessee has a legitimate chance of winning this game. And, uh, and I, I, to me, I think the pressure is still on Alabama, even though a lot of people seem to be picking Tennessee. It feels like Alabama's due for a loss because they, they haven't really played well uh, in their best game of the season uh, against Arkansas. And I realize that Bryce Young exiting the game hampered things and changed the, the direction of that game. But Arkansas was able to, to come back, uh, and they did so by putting up points, which Bryce Young does not affect whether or not Alabama gives up points or not. Uh, so – and the Texas game was an impressive win as well. Let's not get it twisted. Beating a, a pretty talented Texas team, a pretty good Texas team on the road by one point is still a really good win. It's just that Nick Saban has established this standard of ridiculous excellence that if they don't beat every single person by 40 points, then 
oh no, the the world's ending. <laughs> Alabama football is over. Nick Saban needs to retire. And uh, New Mexico State, Louisiana Monroe. I mean, some of those other teams, Vanderbilt, obviously are, are not gonna. Uh, they're not going to compete with, with the likes of Alabama and uh, even A&M. A&M is not a good football team. They do have uh, a great defensive front, which allowed A&M to stay in the game, but that offense is not good for, for A&M. And it, it, it didn't look like Alabama played his best football. I think that was pretty obvious with, with four turnovers. So it feels like Alabama is due for a loss on top of Tennessee looking terrific so far this season. And people are trying to knock – it's win over Pittsburgh and, and LSU and, and Florida uh, because th- those three teams aren't necessarily world beaters or top 15 teams. But uh, th- those teams still have a lot of talent. And two of those wins came on the road. And the third one against Florida was a huge mental hurdle that the program needed to, to overcome as a whole in order to win that game, uh, which to me is just as impressive as if Florida was what Florida typically is, uh, because that I, I don't think people outside of Knoxville just realize how big of a mental hurdle Florida is for Tennessee. And, and aside from that onside kick that Florida recovered, Tennessee essentially passed with flying colors uh, in, in a way. So uh, it, it certainly feels like Tennessee, or excuse me, Alabama is due for a loss, and, and Tennessee is in position to take advantage of that because of how Hendon Hooker in the offense. Uh, is playing and I'm curious Wes your thoughts on who the pressure is on this week because I I agree with where Patrick was going where I I still feel like the pressure is on Alabama because for Alabama it's still national championship or bust whereas if Tennessee loses to Alabama I I think if, if if Tennessee gets blown out this weekend I think people will rightfully be upset but if if Tennessee loses a close one to Alabama in year two of Josh Heupel, I don't think that there's going to be a huge overreaction. And there are some national media members, particular, particularly a former Alabama quarterback, that is trying to spin this narrative that all the pressure is now on, on Tennessee and that if Tennessee doesn't beat Alabama, then Tennessee fans are just going to absolutely lose their mind. Name some names, Ben. Greg McElroy, and, and that they're just going to eat eat each other up. Um, I, and I, I don't. I think that couldn't be further from the truth. Obviously, they're going to be the the couple of diehards that just absolutely lose their mind and just are, are going to be fed up with Heifel if if Tennessee loses. But I, I think the vast majority don't necessarily have the expectation to beat Alabama. I, it's it's getting spun. Tennessee has a legitimate chance to beat Alabama. Tennessee fans recognize that. And from people outside of Knoxville, like Greg McElroy, that's being spun into Tennessee is expected to win this football game. And that's not the case. And I don't think the pressure is on Tennessee, despite people being upbeat about Tennessee's chances this week, because Tennessee's not supposed to go win a national championship this year. Tennessee's not supposed to go win an SEC championship this year. That, those are Alabama's goals, and maybe the goals have changed for this football team the last month, but I, I think a loss for, for Alabama is more detrimental than a, than a loss for Tennessee. And, and at the end of the day, Alabama's still the better football team. So I, I think the pressure is still on Alabama, West. Yeah, Ben, I think there's still slightly more pressure on Alabama than on Tennessee, but I don't think there's – a crushing amount of pressure on Alabama because I think that there's a pretty 
good, strong history there of Bama getting bumped along the way. Like Bama takes Knicks here and there. Like 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 there's not a the very few of those Saban teams have gone undefeated through the regular season. They usually stumble once and then that's <coughs> excuse me <coughs> excuse me. That's used as kind of a galvanizing moment moving forward. So I don't think that a loss necessarily freaks everybody out over there, especially let's say Bryce Young either doesn't play, which I think he'll probably play, but but maybe he plays and he's not quite He's not quite there yet, the timing, his arm strength. He gets hurt a couple times. He leaves the game. They lose the game. I don't think people are panicking there because I think they know, well, they got a bye week coming up, get him healthy, then move forward and still win all your games, and you're still going to win the SEC West. So it's not like a like a crushing amount of pressure on Alabama, but there is slightly more pressure on Alabama than Tennessee because I think Ben's right. I think – the majority of Tennessee fans, and I will never, ever, ever claim to speak for Tennessee fans. I, I, it's a wide group of, it's a large group of people, and it has a whole lot of disagreements on a lot of things. I think it's probably fair to say that most people, if Alabama wins this game, they'll pe- people will be disappointed because this was an opportunity to beat Alabama, and you feel like uh, there's just not a lot of times where you got a you got a senior quarterback, you got this offense doing all these things, you got Bama kind of wobbling. You didn't get him here. When are you going to get him? I think there's frustration from that point, but there's not anger. But there's not. I, I don't think like the world will collapse on itself here. I think people will probably say, "Nah, eh, that sucks. Would have been nice, but what? Let's go improve. Let's go give Georgia a shot here in a couple of weeks. Let's go win the rest of these games. Let's beat Kentucky and let's see where things are in a couple in a few weeks." So I, I, I don't think people will freak out or anything. I, I think they'll just be like, mm, "Damn." This was a game that could have been won. That's that's sort of my thought on it. Imagine F- FCS West overlooking the mighty UT Martin Skyhawks. <laughs> hey, Jason Simpson is well, a friend of the pod. He's, he's, a good, FCS West. he's a he's Look. a friend of the pod and he's a good man. But I don't think Tennessee's got a lot to worry about next week. <laughs> no, and look, I'll, I'll tell you this, Patrick. Speaking of UT Martin, real quick, uh, I, I would I would think that with the way that that Ty Simpson recruitment ended. With uh, Josh Heifel, I, I think there may be a, a message or two sent via the scoreboard next Saturday. But that's just my opinion. Hmm. But, uh, Wes, I, I do agree with you. And, and Patrick, I, I want to hear your thoughts because I, I don't think that people are going to be angry if Tennessee loses on, on Saturday. Now, I, I think if, if Tennessee comes out and, and for some reason doesn't look prepared or, or looks disinterested – and gets blown out, then yes, be angry. You, you should be angry in that instance. But you're, you're not going to get that from this team with this leadership. So that, that's not a, even a conversation worth having. It, it's not going to be like the 2016 Tennessee-Bama game where the, I, I believe the team was still undefeated at that point or, or one loss. I can't remember. A&M was before, right? Yeah, they lost A&M the week before and had like okay. 10 guys get hurt in that game. Right, but, but theoretically you had Dobbs, you had – Derek Barnett, you had talent. Maybe you could have won that game, and you didn't. That was year five, four for for Butch at at that point. So people were angry. Josh Heupel losing in year two. I personally think that it it would be a little bit ridiculous to be angry uh, if Tennessee loses. But I also do agree with with what Wes was saying about the fact, kind of like what we were talking about with the Florida game. If not now, then when? Because Alabama isn't a world beater. 
they're not a juggernaut like some of the teams they that Saban has they had might, in the past. They might be by the end of the year, but they're definitely not right yes. now. The, yes, yes. They might be at the end of the year. They still have a ton of talent. But they are a very beatable team right now. And, it, again, it feels like they're due for a loss. And, and so if you can't take advantage of that, when you're at home and Neyland Stadium is being talked about as if it's going to be as loud as ever on Saturday and you have Hendon Hooker, who is the Heisman front runner at the moment, He's the most effective, efficient quarterback in the country. If not now, then when? So I do feel like the pressure that is on Tennessee, why I do think there's more pressure on Alabama. I do think there's a little bit of that same pressure we saw for the Florida game. If you can't beat them now, then when are you going to be able to? Well, that's, that's been kind of what you were setting me up for. I don't know that people will be mad if Tennessee doesn't win this game. I think there might be a little bit of uh, depression because – it's been so long uh, since Tennessee's won this game. Uh, and, uh, again, you know, Nick Saban's under contract for several more years. This is going to be Tennessee's best chance of beating them for, uh, you know, for a long time. If not now, then you're wondering, is this, you know, how much longer is this streak going to happen? Every time we, before season, we do our game-by-game predictions, and my answer for the Alabama game is always the same. It's going to happen one day. But generally, I'm like, it's not going to happen this year. Well, it, it might happen this year. But if it doesn't, you know, it's not like Alabama's going to, you know, have a down year next year. They've not had a down year. And, and since Nick Saban's really been there, I guess 10 and 2 counts as a down year for them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that would be the, it would be sort of sobering that, okay, well, if it's been 15 years, we have a great chance. We can't get it done. Will we ever beat this team? That that will be more the reaction um, than than anger. Now there could be some scenarios where you know if Bama gets some calls like Bama does and gets some protection and and, and that sways the game. I mean, we all are both smiling, but we know it's we. I mean, we're not done. <laughs> hey, look, there, there was the one last weekend. <laughs> the, Birmingham, uh, the Birmingham the Birmingham bat phone does exist. It is a thing. I yes, mean, we it, we it, it does. A&M got away with one last the, – the refs at the end of that game, like I forget what, what actually happened, but there was a call that went in A&M's favor at the end of the game last week in Tuscaloosa that I was stunned. Defensive oh, you mean it was in the pass, favor. It was the pass interference right before the final play. They got an interception yes. in the end zone, but it was a blade yes. pass interference. He grabbed the guy's shoulder, pulled the jersey. It was it was a gutsy call. But I was call. surprised it was they the, called it. Right. Right, I mean, but they I think still I, they still screwed A and M because they didn't go back and put the right amount of clock yeah. the time on the clock. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, just fishy stuff like that. You you know, that could bring some anger. You know, uh, there wasn't any harm. You know, there wasn't any long term harm or foul um, for Tennessee losing to Ole Miss last year. But people were a lot of people were around here were pissed off after that game and during the game, um, and, and let their frustrations be known. So. Uh, that is a scenario where anger is the reaction. But if Tennessee doesn't win this game, I think there will be um, an initial rea- – the initial reaction will be like, are we ever going to win a game in this series ever again? Um, and, and it'll be harder for uh, a lot of the older fans in, in the fan in the Tennessee fan base that remember when this game – when they used to, when Tennessee ran off a bunch of wins in this series uh, under Philip Fulmer. So, um but, yeah, I don't know that – and even if that's the case, again, there will be sort of a reset. There might be a hangover for fans just because they're you know, playing UT Martin next week. There's not, like, another big game to get up for. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I still think the pressure's on Alabama because the pressure's always on Alabama. That, that, I mean, they're never supposed to lose. They always have the best roster. They have the best quarterback. They have the Heisman winner. Uh, they have the guy who West should have 
Westhead should have won the Heisman last year too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree with that, but that's another he's the best player. For another, he, he's the best player in college football. Best player I saw in college football last year was Matt Corral. So um, that that's that's my two cents on that. But um, but yeah, I mean it's. It, Again, this is like the first time that I can remember Tennessee's gone into this game, and I can I can legitimately pick. Here are reasons why Tennessee can win this game, and, and so um, I, I know the players. Neither of the players on either side are really thinking this way, but just in terms of of, of my thoughts, it's been sort of a, a weird thing to get my uh, head wrapped around, just because it's such it's been such a unusual concept uh, in my lifetime and in my time covering this program. Well, now that Pat has has talked about some potential depression from Tennessee fans, I think it's time that we cue the Sarah McLaughlin music and, and we talk about the, the depression of what would happen if Tennessee loses this football game because Patrick Brown is going to diagnose you with depression, and that's a very sad thing. And uh, just a shout out for all the people. Maybe not depression. For depression is not the right word. Who, who are so de- no, we're sobering talking, reality. We're, we're talking in our quiet voices now. Sorry, because, sorry, because, sorry. Because we're playing the Sarah McLaughlin music, and, and it's really important that you stay calm during a time like this. So let's go to commercial break. Let's let's get our thoughts together. Let's try to get the self esteem to, to move forward with our lives, and then then we'll discuss a little more here on the the Govals twenty four seven podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. 
that I'm sure lifted our spirits here on this uh, beautiful Thursday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location. Ben McKee coming to you from Ben McKee's house. It's just the worst name ever. Got to come up with uh, with something. But here we are discussing Tennessee football. Third Saturday in October. Big, big, big game. The Vols hosting, uh, the sixth-ranked Vols hosting third-ranked Alabama at the General's House at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS, which, of course, is the greatest network that has ever been conceived by man or ever will be conceived by man uh, or woman or anyone else. And I'm not contractually obligated with a bug in my ear to say that. I'm, I'm just saying that because I'm a good team player here. And don't worry about those commercials, guys. We're, uh, we're paying the bills, all right? All right? We got to pay the bills. We, we got we to gotta put food on this table. We got to put lights in this house. So that's how the commercial thing goes the way that it goes. We got a lot more to discuss with uh, Patrick with Ben about Tennessee, Alabama. Before we do that, though, just a quick uh, request from our end. If you could go in there really quickly, if you don't mind, and uh, rating and reviewing this podcast and subscribing to this podcast, we sure would appreciate that. If you're just listening on the website, we love you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no wrong way to consume the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world, you can cast a fine pod. You can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there and subscribe and rate and review and tell your friends. Tell people that you see uh, at the golf course or the driving range. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see out walking your dog. Uh, tell tell your neighbors. Uh, if you don't have any friends, just find people wearing orange and say, please be my friend because I don't have any, but I like the Vols and so do you, so you should listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, and then you might find a friend. So you're welcome, world. If you're doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, back to business. This game, going into it, Predictions are interesting things because I don't think any of us, I'll speak only for myself here, but I, I think broadly speaking, none of the three of us like having to hedge bets when we make predictions because we say, well, we've looked at these matchups. We've looked at some of the X factors. Here's how we think this game will play out. The fact is there are some personnel issues going into this game that could have a drastic effect on the way we would predict this game going. Like, I don't know for sure that uh, that people know. I'm sure Vegas knows because Vegas knows everything. But I, I think Vegas knows before the players know. But I, I don't know that we can say definitively how we think this game will go. For instance, if Bryce Young plays and he's good, if Bryce Young plays and he's still hurt and sore, or if Bryce Young doesn't play at all. I think we've seen enough from Tennessee without Cedric Tillman to know – that more or less that offense is still going to be fine or at least pretty good without him, right? They, they've done that. Not against a defense like Alabama's, but they've done that, right? Brew McCoy, Jalen Hyatt, no slouches, certainly. Uh, Ramel Keaton, Squirrel White. Tennessee's got guys that can, that can play this game at wide receiver. Uh, but the Bryce Young situation, and even with Jalen McCullough, too, we don't know yet. That's a really interesting one, and we will see. Hypo won't even discuss about whether he's practicing or not this week. But – we we don't know what's going on with Bryce Young, and until we do, for me, it's almost like you have to make two different predictions. Well, let me, let me ask y'all this real simple question, and don't really have to uh, um, 
give an in-depth answer. If Jalen Milrow is the starting quarterback and Bryce Young does not play, do either of you think that that – not literally automatically, but if, if you know for a fact that it's Jalen Milrow, are you picking Tennessee? Yes. Yes. Both of you. Wow. Without any hesitation. Yes. Well, wow. because – for me, it's it's if you're Tennessee, you just recycle the same game plan you used for the last three games. Stop the run, keep the guy in the pocket, make him a passer. I don't. He beats you. He beats you. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, he's he, to me from watching Milrow. I watched him a little bit more against the AM and Arkansas, but uh, he seems to me maybe a faster version of, of Anthony Richardson, Jane Daniels. Yeah, and I don't know that he throws quite as accurately as as those guys can throw. I mean, Daniels when he throws it. He's pretty accurate with it. Richardson he got made a some hose good throws last week, yeah. And, and, and I, I think that I, I just think if Jalen Milrow is Alabama's quarterback, I think Tennessee's going to score points because every game with Hypo, Tennessee has scored points. Really, Georgia last year was the only team that really kind of put the clamps on Tennessee's offense, and even that took a quarter or so. So I think they're going to score points. And if Jalen Milrow is Alabama's quarterback – I think the calculus just shows you they probably won't be able to score enough points to beat Tennessee in Neyland Stadium. That's my take on it. I might be wrong, but that's what and, I think. And, and, and I'm not. I don't want to slight Milrow. I think he's a good player, but I mean, he's he's the backup to the Heisman winner. A guy's going to be a top five draft pick. I mean, just there's going to be a, a gap there. So, to answer Ben's question, yes. <laughs> Here, here's here's my thinking I, I don't necessarily think either of you are wrong i'm just not picking tennessee to beat alabama it, that that is my logic this just don't week. pick 15 to 14 ben. i i will not do anything dumb like you do when it comes to <laughs> predictions but and that that's not me i think tennessee has a legitimate chance to to beat alabama with bryce young at quarterback uh, and I don't even think if Bryce Young plays, we're going to get the best version of Bryce Young because Saban is admitting on Wednesday that he's on a pitch count. I know for a fact that this past weekend, prior to them playing Ark or playing A and M, Bryce Young was still experiencing pain, which is why they did not play him against A and M, and that has not disappeared within a week with that type of injury. So even if Bryce Young plays, I don't really think that you're getting him at 80 or 90%. I, I think it's more 65, 70% Bryce Young. And, and I, I realize that 65, 70% healthy Bryce Young is, is still better than most quarterbacks in college football, but that's a pretty compromised quarterback. If, if that is actually the case uh, and he's not healthier than 65, 70%. So a, can he make it through the game as he is taking hits and B, even if he can make it through the game, how effective is he going to be? Can, and it's not can, like Alabama. Can, can, has, can he make those deep shots? Correct. And, and I like Alabama's receivers. They don't have the go-to just all-world receiver at this point. They, they have some inexperienced guys there's, and some there's depth no, pieces. There's no Jamison Williams or Mechie or Judy or Ruggs no. or any of those guys. No, they, they don't have a true number one receiver like Cedric Tillman. They, they don't. So it's not like that he has a safety valve. They do have Jameer Gibbs. That's a separate conversation. That's, that's a hell of a valve, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it is. I mean, he leads the he leads the team in receptions, which uh, I think that tells you two things. I think that tells you all you need to know about Jameer Gibbs and, and how dangerous he can be. I also think it tells you about Alabama's receivers as well. So 
Uh, I, I think Tennessee has a legitimate chance to, to beat Bryce Young, even if Bryce Young was 100% healthy, but I don't expect that. Uh, and then if it is Jalen Milrow, the pendulum absolutely swings in, in Tennessee's favor. Uh, and if you took the emotional aspect of this game out of it in terms of what this rivalry has been while Saban has been the head coach, I probably would pick Tennessee to beat <laughs> Alabama if I know for a fact that it's Jalen Milrow. It's just the fact that I, I just can't bring myself to do it. it I am 1,000% believe it when I see it. I, I've picked against Saban plenty of times before, not necessarily speaking about this particular football game, but in, in playoff games and SEC championship games, and, and it always comes back to bite me right in the butt. So uh, I, that, that's kind of my thinking. I, I'm, I'm taking the, uh, the old rivalry game approach to it and, and saying that I, I'll believe it when I see it. But I, I do, aside from the Bryce Young and quarterback talk, Wes, I, I do think that there are – matchups that that are in Tennessee's favor for sure yeah and I, I think if if you let's say you took like a really good NFL fan who did not care about college football at all and didn't really know much uh, about what 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 should happen and you had that person sit down and watch every snap Alabama and Tennessee have played this season and against the teams they've done it and you ask them who's going to win this game especially if it's at Tennessee Stadium I think that person would say Tennessee's going to win this game. If you, oh. if you just base it on, here's what we've seen this team do, here's what we've seen that team do, who do you think wins this game? Well, However, but the caveat, go ahead, Pat, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, just to, to add to that, Pat Forty, known Tennessee hater, uh, he had something this week that said he thought Tennessee should be favored in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, which that's got my mind in a pretzel all week. Yeah, that's kinda, what got me confused to start the week, and it's, it's just a, never, I've never gotten. Unconfused. There's a pretzel in my head. Yeah, but the point his his point is what you just said that if you'd watch these teams, you've seen Tennessee. You know they've won three games. Uh, they look dominant against LSU. They've won different ways. Uh, their defense has played really well in two of those three games. Um, and if you've watched Alabama, they've been shaky. Had a lot. You know, I think they're like minus five or something in turnovers, which is very un Alabama like. Near the bottom. Had of all the, the penalties against Texas. Uh, you know they've blown out three, you know, four, I guess, however many nobodies they played. But, uh, you know, the teams they played against that, that have some talent, you know, hung with them and played them down to the wire. And uh, and Tennessee's played both uh, better than both Texas and Texas and in this season. So but go ahead, Wes. Yeah, but no, the caveat to all that was if you airdropped this person in and you had them watch film and they said, oh, I think that orange team is better than that, that red team over there. I think they would probably say that. However, we all know – that we've seen stuff like this from Alabama before and that at some point when the business end of the season rolls around, that team is ready to go. And maybe that's because they, it loses so many guys to the draft every year. So it, it, it's able to reload, obviously, with ridiculously talented players, but a lot of them have not played meaningful snaps against, against quality competition. So they have to learn. They have to mold together. And by the end of the year, they're pretty good. Not too dissimilar from, from Kentucky basketball in that way. Probably a less exaggerated version of it. But by the end of the year, they're usually pretty good. We just don't know when that switch is going to flip. And, and this, to me, is the, the, the thing that makes it a question mark because it has nothing to do with Tennessee. It's just when that switch comes on for Alabama, which we think it probably will. But normally when they've had two or three close calls throughout the year, they figured it out by that point. So that's where it gets really, really interesting to me as you go, you know what? And it's the same with Georgia. You're like, 
okay, but when? But when are you really going to – when are you really, well, that, really, really going to show it? That's what I said earlier. Is, that, is this going to be the game, the game where Alabama figures it out and looks like Alabama, or is this going to be the game where what Alabama's done that's almost gotten them beat a couple of times gets them beat because they're playing a better team? Uh, and I do want to add that I'm offended that you compared Nick Saban to John Calipari because Nick Saban is a much better coach than John Calipari. Oh no, there's no question. Yes. There's no yeah, question. The there, titles, there, there's no question about that. I'm just looking for a parallel to a team that I get what you're saying. Talent, I just want to make you look better bad. by the I, end. I get what you're saying. I just want to ridicule you. Okay, so I, I, that's, <laughs> as, that's fair play. That's we, fair. As we love to do it at Go Vols two four seven. The more that I think about the quarterback position or Alabama's quarterback situation. It does make me kind of want to pick Tennessee uh, because even if Bryce plays, like I was just speaking about a moment ago, I, I don't, I don't think that he's going. I think he's going to be pretty compromised if he plays. Quite frankly, uh, and I also don't know that he's going to last the entire game. Byron Young has uh, something to say about that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've already seen it once this year with Keen Slovis at Pittsburgh, and, and by all accounts, he was healthy going into the game, and Tennessee just repeatedly knocked him into the ground and eventually knocked him out of the game. So even Bryce Young, I mean, it, it, that doesn't really inspire a ton of hope that, that Alabama's offense is, is going to put it together. The, the only games this year in, in which they've been able to put it together is Arkansas, and Arkansas has a terrible secondary, which that sounds kind of familiar. Well, that sounds uh, familiar. When, 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 when <laughs> looking at this matchup. Uh, but Jalen Milrow, I, I, I kind of like Jalen Milrow. I certainly don't think he's a good passer right now. I do think he's capable of beating Tennessee with his legs, but we, we now have two games of evidence of Tennessee keeping a dual-threat quarterback in check. And, and even you can throw the Akron kid, DJ Irons, in, in there as well. He's I know they're good. Drop he is off and, talented. Yes, he is doesn't have the, the teammates to help him. But if I remember correctly, they, they did a pretty good job of, of bottling him up a, as well. And, and then, so you, you look at the fact that Tennessee has been able to keep mobile quarterbacks from just running all over them like Matt Corral did last year. And then you look at, and, and this here comes the Jameer Gibbs conversation because he is far better than any back that Tennessee has faced this year. I, I know the Pitt running back is the talk of college football right now because he ran for six touchdowns last weekend, and he's really good. Don't get me wrong. He's and 360-something yards. Yeah, but yes. he, he had like 75 of his 120 yards against Tennessee on one run. Yes. My, my point and, – and my point is Jameer Gibbs is going to be the best running back that Tennessee has faced this year and probably by a decent bit, although I recognize that the kid from Pitt is, is good as well. And outside of that one run that you just mentioned, Wes – Tennessee has done a good job uh, of keeping the other running backs, the the other team's running backs in check. They, they've handled the running game much better than I anticipated this season. So e even if it is Milrow, and I do think he's capable of, of running around on Tennessee, this Tennessee defense has shown that, that they're not going to allow that to happen up until this point. So, uh, And then also, even with Milrow, there, there's some discussions about Ty Simpson uh, floating out there this week about uh, he can, should yeah he should, can he can play one more game and he doesn't have to take the redshirt he's played three if he plays just this one and no more he can still redshirt right but yes but the conversation is should Ty Simpson be the one that comes into the game instead of Milrow it seems to be a, a pretty interesting discussion down there in Tuscaloosa and and Ty Simpson's on on social media liking 
tweets about him needing to be the backup over Milrow. And so that's kind of becoming a fascinating side conversation uh, as well and maybe a distraction. So I, I if, if, if those talks are originating from the Alabama football practice facility and, and they're kind of starting to leak out because people inside the building feel like it should be Ty Simpson, that adds another dynamic uh, to the game, the, the quarterback aspect of the game. That that may be something to consider. So I, I sit here and the more I talk about the, the, the Alabama quarterback situation, it, it makes me want to pick Tennessee, but I just refuse to do it. I'm sorry for any anybody that upsets. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. And unless I it, hear it upsets me, Ben, unless I don't care, unless I hear before midnight Eastern on like Thursday night, Friday morning that Bryce Young is definitely not going to play. I'm picking Alabama to win a close game unless unless news comes out before then or starts to leak that, hey, he's really not feeling good, practice, they, they tried to clear him a little bit, it didn't go right. If I hear something like that, then I'll probably change my prediction. But as of now, I think the, the kid's tough. I think he, he, he'll go out there and try to play, and if he does and he's okay enough, I, I think Alabama can still do enough to win the game. But if he does play, his ability to kind of move around in the pocket, buy some time for himself, that stuff's going to be compromised. Because I can guarantee you he's going to be careful about what hits he takes if he plays. Like, if he plays, he's going to have to be out there protecting himself. So if he gets out of the pocket, he's probably going to try to throw it. He's probably going to slide as early as he can. He's probably going to be really careful, maybe a lot of quick game stuff. That will change sort of what they do, I think, because they can't just be like, all right, 100%, you're full go, let's go. Because if he's still got a little bit of pain in that shoulder and they've got him on a pitch count, I'm guessing there's an issue there. And they have a bye week next week. So it, you just do the math on that and you say, hmm, maybe. But regardless, Jameer Gibbs is really good. Tennessee's going to have some some difficulties there. If Alabama can get the game played out in space, uh, major advantage to Alabama's offense over Tennessee's secondary. I, I think everyone is abundantly clear, uh, very well crystal clear of that. Uh, however, let's before we get out of here, let's folk, talk, to the, talk about the other side for a little bit. Alabama... I think at corner is not as good as it has been. I think those guys are very talented, but I don't think they've quite put it together yet. And McKinstry and those guys, they're, they're really, really talented. They were big recruits for a reason. But this is a really dynamic pass game that, that, that could give them some problems there, provided there is time. The problem is sometimes against Alabama, there's not really time to do it because I think the best player in college football – is on Alabama's defense coming off the edge and Will Anderson. So they've got other guys in the front seven. That's going to be a challenge. But here's something that I did not know, guys. Candidly, I did not know this until this week, and it was 538 who wrote the story that showed these numbers, and I did not know them. Maybe y'all did. I didn't. Shame on you. The Tennessee, the national average. I knew them. I knew them. The national average is that you get blitzed 27% of your dropback passes. Tennessee has been blitzed on 33% of its drop back passes. So well above the national average. And with that said, Tennessee is second, second nationally in drop back pressures allowed 16.9% of the time Tennessee has dropped back this season. There's been a quarterback pressure. So like 84% of the time, Tennessee is, is having a clean pocket and is not being pressured despite facing all of those blitzes. So my point is, I don't know that any of us have given quite enough credit to Tennessee's offensive line this season. Uh, We know both guards are good. We've known that. That's not a mystery. Uh, We know Darnell right on the right side, especially he's better than his left side. At right tackle, he's a pretty darn good player. Uh, And then at left tackle, they've they've 
patched it together okay. Did y'all know any of those numbers? Be honest, because I did not. I didn't know the 538 numbers or whatever, but, I mean, you just look at some of the pressures they've allowed, uh, some of the pro football focus data, and it's they don't give up a lot of pressures, especially compared to uh, the number of pressures and hurries and, and stuff that they're getting on with their defensive line. So, uh, yeah, and, and I also feel like a lot of the protection breakdowns have been on the running backs, to be honest. So uh, they're, they're still a little spotty there. Uh, in terms of guys seeing stuff and, and those guys, uh, those, those three backs, whether it's Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, or Dylan Sanchez, as we saw at LSU, picking up those those linebacker blitzes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think the offensive line is no well not now. You know, they haven't played Will Anderson yet. They haven't played Dallas Turner yet. Uh, have we mentioned the, the big cheetah package yet? No, we uh, have not. all the rage in Tuscaloosa this yeah. week where they put their three best pass rushers on there. Um, I'm sure Tennessee would love for them to get in that and then everybody, get a first down. And everybody has that package. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, Tennessee calls it its rabbits package, but uh, they're not. You know, they're not making a big deal out of it. Um, but you know, I'm sure Tennessee would love for those guys to get get in that 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 formation and then you know hit a first down on them and then run tempo, keep them on the field and just run it at them. So make those make those pass rushers get blocked by you know take double teams from the the guard in the center. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, that, that's something that, that, you know, Texas A&M could not protect Haynes King last week, uh, and they needed to protect him for a long time because he had to get the arm cranked up there get the, uh, he's got a kind of a lengthy little slingshot release there. Um, little, little hitch in that giddy up. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if, if Tennessee can protect him and hooker, then they're going to have chances to make plays down the field because Alabama's going to play man. And if Tennessee sees man, they're going to be like, all right, we'll take our chances. We'll, you know, we'll get Jalen Hyatt matched up with the safety. Uh, we'll get Brew McCoy matched up with whoever. And, and we'll throw it to Keaton, too, because uh, I, I don't think Tillman's going to play. But if he was out there, um, and that's unfortunate because this is a chance for Cedric to make himself some more money. Uh, he had a huge game against Alabama last season. Uh, I don't think they could cover him again this year either. So, um, uh, that, that'll be unfortunate for him and for Tennessee. But they'll just plug Keaton in and keep on going and, uh, and yeah, and, and as a fan asked Josh Heupel uh, on Vol Calls tonight, maybe they'll run some slants to show everyone that, that Henry Toa can't can't cover. <laughs> I, that actually I, happened. I, I don't know if y'all heard that, but it happened. I, I read I the transcript. Listening. I didn't. I didn't hear it. I the, read the, the, the man said that he wants Heupel to show the world what everyone around here already knows that Henry Toa can't cover a slant. <laughs> so bad. That, that that's all you need to know about it being Alabama week. Uh, right there. There, there. there are several interesting matchups that, that I think will determine the game. I, I think generally speaking, it's going to come down to if Tennessee's defense can get a stop or two when it needs to. I, I have a, a fair amount of confidence that Tennessee's offense is going to go out there and put up points. I, I'm not going to predict Tennessee to drop 40 or, or drop 50. I, I would be a little bit surprised if, if Tennessee got to 40 or 50 because this Alabama defense is good. At the end of the day, I don't think it's the juggernaut defense that we saw a decade ago or in the last couple of years from Alabama, but they're still really good. And they said they, they still have really great football players. It's just at some particular areas like at corner, as Wes was discussing at safety, uh, some of the defensive linemen as well. They're really good players. Don't get me wrong, but they're not these top five, top 10 NFL level picks and uh, Tennessee has players on offense where I think that matchup goes in, in Tennessee's favor. I like Tennessee's receivers matched up with Alabama's corners. Kool-Aid McKinstry, the sophomore 
very talented. Terion Arnold, the redshirt freshman, very talented. But Tennessee's receivers are better, and I would be very surprised if Tennessee did not win that particular matchup. Now, the one interesting receiver DB matchup for me is Jalen Hyatt in the slot versus Brian Branch because uh, Bama has two senior safeties starting back there, and, and they're, they're solid. They're, they're good. Uh, and, again, the corners, solid, good. But Brian Branch at the star position is a very good football player and by far their best defensive back. He, he's, he impacts the game every way possible. Tackles for loss, sacks, pass breakups, tackles. He's really good. So Jalen Hyatt in the slot matched up with Brian Branch. That, that's going to be a key matchup to watch there. And then obviously the key matchup is Tennessee's tackles versus Will Anderson. Is Alabama going to move Will Anderson around? Because I think Darnell Wright is having a great season. So do they see that and say, okay, we're going to put uh, Will Anderson over Gerald Mincy or J.J. Crawford, which I think those two can can get the job done and are fairly strong as well. But they're certainly not as good as Darnell Wright. But also Alabama may not even worry about it because they also have Dallas Turner and some other pass rushers uh, that, that can get after the quarterback as well. So, I, I kind of view Will Anderson like we did Jadavion Clowney in the sense of you're not just going to completely take him out of the game and completely shut him down. He's going to make his plays. He is too good of a football not to football player not to make his plays. Uh, I, I think he's the best player in college football. But can Tennessee limit the amount of plays that, that he is making? And, and can you limit the type of play – that he makes okay if, if he tackles Jabari Small in, in the backfield for a one-yard loss whatever I'm saying can you prevent him from strip sacking Hendon Hooker or popping Jabari Small off the edge for a loss of of seven on a key drive that puts you behind the sticks limit the the type of big play that Will Anderson has I, I think those are two really key matchups to, to watch in this game and, and also you know flipping the script I like Tennessee's defensive front in, in this matchup as well. Alabama's offensive line I is too. good. I do too. It It's good. It's solid. But again, like I was discussing with those other positions, they don't have the first-round tackles right now. They may on draft day in a couple of years, but they, they don't have the, the bona fide top five, top ten pick. They, they don't have elite offensive linemen. They have really good offensive linemen, but they're not the elite offensive linemen that we've become accustomed to with Alabama. And I think Amari Thomas is playing great football. I think Byron Young is playing great football. The the Athletic had a stat where he's averaging more pressures per, I think, snaps or whatever than even Will Anderson is. Uh, so I, I think Byron Young, he can make himself money this game on, on top of what uh, Patrick was saying about Tillman and how it's unfortunate that he can't make even more money. I think Byron Young can make a whole lot of money this football game because I, I like that matchup in, in Tennessee's favor. So uh, well, I wouldn't say that I like it on, on in their favor going into it, but I think it's a matchup that they are certainly capable of winning. Uh, and you, you kind of look at those three different matchups that I just talked about, and, and that those are going to be the sneaky matchups that determine whether Tennessee wins this game or not. Yeah, and I think whether Tennessee can, can run the ball it will be huge because if Tennessee can get even a decent amount of yardage from that running back production – that's what the entire offense is based around. If they can, if they're getting a good, you don't it doesn't have to be big plays. Just you know, a good solid four or five yards per carry when those running backs get the the football. 
that means that Bama can't just completely play back and and sort of help those guys in the secondary. They have to come up to the line of scrimmage, and if they have to respect the line of scrimmage, that's where th- th- this offense really gets you twisted because they'll run three or four plays that look the exact same, and then, boom, they'll hit you with one that's just a complete different play off that same formation, and that's how they get wide open. It's not normally that – like these plays where these guys are getting wide open, it's not just a player screwed up. It's that Tennessee designed it for a player to screw up and a player screwed up. It absolutely is coaching because they, you watch it on film. They set it up, they set it up, and then boom, they hit it, and they're not ready for it. And and that that's the kind of stuff going into every game – that I think with Hooker and, and making everything look the same, that sort of repetitive nature of what they do and the pace they do it, it, it's just really, really hard for opponents to get out there and match up with that. And I think those Tennessee tight ends allow you to be versatile without having to make substitutions. So if they get you in a screwy uh, matchup, they can really, really hurt you with it. And, and so it's just a really good offense. I see why they do it. It works. It doesn't make people comfortable. And they're going to score points, I think. So it's just a matter of can they prevent Alabama from also scoring a lot of points. That's what I think it comes down to. I think Tennessee's going to score points. Not like 50, but I think Tennessee's going to score points because it almost always does. And, and normally – I'd say they get around 30. I, I, I have confidence that they get 28, 31, 34, somewhere in there. And, and I think if the defense can get a stop or two when it needs to, I think that can win you the football game. Yeah, and that's why I would my, – my plan is the same, guys. Before we get out of here, I'll say it time and time again. If I'm Tennessee and I'm looking at what I have defensively every week and I look at where my strengths and weaknesses are, I just say screw it. I go Leroy Jenkins and I pressure all day long because I know I'm going to give up plays no matter what on the back end. Like I, I've seen Tennessee drop seven or eight in coverage and still guys find wide open spots in the zone. I just don't think they're really that good on the back end. I just don't. And, and so – I think if you attack or if you don't attack, you're still going to give up plays downfield occasionally. So I would say screw it, and I would bring pressure and hope to get some some sacks, some force some turnovers, get them behind the chains, you know, get some false starts on guys not quite sure where the the the, the blitz is coming from. Uh, that's what I would do. I mean, you can't just say monster blitz on every snap, but I would bring pressure more often than not, even if Bryce Young is in there because I think they're going to get exposed on the back anyway, so I just try to make them hurt a little bit. Yeah, is that, I, is I that agree. defeatist? Is that defeatist? I don't know that. It, I don't think it is. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think that it is. Uh, I mean, Tennessee's. It, it's ultimately we, we can talk about the, the the key individual matchups, Patrick. But I think ultimately it's going to come down to if Tennessee's defense can can play a little bit of bend but don't break. If it can come up with a stop or two in the second half when it absolutely needs to, uh, and and can it force a turnover or, or two? Because you, you look at Alabama's, it's situational that? defense. It has been. It always will be. They're not just going to load up and stop everybody and force a bunch of three and outs. So they've got to when they get a team. You know when they draw a holding penalty, it's first and twenty. Got to get off the field there. When it's third and ten, got to get off the field there. Uh, on fourth downs, got to get off the field there. And that was the difference in the last two games. I mean, Florida was five of six, and LSU was uh, 0 for three in the first half. And, and you saw the difference on the scoreboard. So, um, and, and those fourth down stops, one was in the red zone, so you're denying LSU points. And then the other two were around midfield, and, and your offense directly scored 10 points off of that. So, 
that's what they have to do. They're going to give up yards. They're going to give up third long conversions. It's just what they do. They don't play zone well enough consistently, and they they can't hold up in man enough consistency. Although although I thought uh, I thought Christian Charles probably played his best game. I don't know what the coverage numbers were. Um, he looked better. But I thought he was in position to make a couple of plays and had really good coverage in a couple of situations and. and LSU just made a better throw and catch, and sometimes Jay, that's going to happen. Jaden Daniels made some big-time throws. So, sometimes that's gonna, just going to happen, um, and it, it certainly could happen in this game if if Bryce Young is playing and in, in even 80%. So um, you're just going to have to live with those moments. But when Tennessee has gets itself into uh, defensively favorable situations, third and long, you get a team, you get a tackle for loss on first down, uh, however you can create those for yourselves, you have to – to make it pay off when you when you get those chances, and and that's what it's going to be every game because every time they get a stop, they're they're going to be thinking they're they're going to have seven more points on the scoreboard when they come back on the field. So that's that's just the nature of it. They're they're not good enough personnel wise uh, to just lock teams up. Now, two things they are doing very well this season are stopping the run, which I'll be interested to see if they can do that in this game because again they haven't played Jameer Gibbs. He likes they like to get him out wide on some outside zones, um, and, and they've been good at getting pressure on quarterbacks. So. Uh, if they can continue to do those two things and take advantage of half of, of the situations that uh, that are you know stop you know hold points whatever uh, then then that's going to be enough in a lot of these games. But uh, this is one of those those games that's left where you're like the other team can score two, um, and, and you wonder if uh, you know can Tennessee have a better defense on the day and and, yeah. and get the win. Plus, every time that that you can make Alabama punt you're probably giving D Williams a chance to catch a punt and um, it's a very small sample size, but he did against LSU exactly what he did in junior college, which was look lethal every time he touched the ball in the return game. So I, I think that, you know, Alabama's always got athletes on special teams, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but I also think Tennessee's got to be careful the few times it has to punt because it, it's given up some pressures this season. And this is absolutely the kind of game where like Bama could block a punt and it could change the thing. So be really, really careful there. Um, you know, General Neyland. I vote just don't punt. Like that's what like Josh Heupel said. Heupel said it's a curse word, right? Which there's a lot of people from punter you collecting checks in the NFL being like, bro, you watch your mouth. But uh, you know, seriously, I they just don't punt much. They're like 125th or 126th nationally in, in punts. They they just don't have to do it. So if they can do that this Saturday. That's that's impressive. So I, I think we've gone a little bit over on time. I think we've covered just about every – not everything, but a lot of the stuff we knew to. We will definitely uh, be back on uh, Friday night, uh, late Friday night, uh, with our, our preview edition with Travis Ryer from BOL. But I think for now, I think we're at a pretty good uh, halting point, fellas. Are you good? I know Patrick's always good to get off a podcast, but I'm yeah. going to add one more thing, and that is the turnover margin that I was going to speak on a, a moment ago. Alabama not good in the turnover margin. Negative six on the year. There's only one team worse in the SEC at turnover margin, and that is Auburn. And we know how bad of a team Auburn is. So I think that's something to keep an eye on in this game as well. They 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 haven't been forcing turnovers, the Alabama defense. that They have two interceptions on the season, and one is from Will Anderson. So the Alabama secondary has one interception on the season. I think that's something to keep an eye on considering Hidden Hooker literally does not turn the football over. Uh, and then also that that Alabama offense last week with Milrow, a quarterback, four turnovers, did not look that great. So uh, I'll be curious to see if, if that trend continues for Alabama. And if it does, 
I think the game certainly swings in favor of Tennessee. I think that was a good point. That was worth adding. And now I think we're at a pretty good point, fellas. So thanks, thanks, for, thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for your regular appearance, Pat. Thanks for your occasional appearance. And uh, I think we're in a good place, boys. He's just going to crap on me as he walk out the door. Unbelievable. This, maybe this is why I don't do podcasts during the week. Bingo. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap. Go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least. So you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. And that's after a free trial. And that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? I, I, he already put my comments out there, so <laughs> he, he had direct quotes. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.